sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose, and now it's time for the financial outlook for personal investors. And every week, I'm glad to say, Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJBL, joins me to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. Now, I think we're starting with a bit of history today, aren't we, Russ? We are. August 1971, not the date of my birth, though not a million miles away, I must say, um, was when Richard Nixon withdrew, effectively withdrew America from the gold standard and closed the window through which you could exchange your gold for dollars at 35 bucks an ounce. Um, and you know, you can argue that ever since then, um, people who own American currency have got have as much reason to be angry with them as the cartoonist Gerald Scaffolds yeah. about, about Watergate, um, which happened, which for which Nixon fell from office three years later. So if you look at the statistics, you look at FRED, the St. Louis Federal Reserve database, since Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, the consumer price index has got up 80 to 90% which is another way of saying the dollar has lost 80, 90% of its, value, of its, of its purchasing power effective, effectively. And gold has gone from $35 an ounce to, what, $1,800 as we, as we sit here right now. Yes. So people might be thinking, I, When well, I think about sterling com- contrasting with the dollar as well, that makes well, pound mm, look, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, we will, we've, yeah. yeah. So, so, so and people might think, well, well, so what? It's 50 years ago. Gold's done nothing this year. What on yeah. earth are you going on about? And, and, and let's face it, it, it really hasn't done very much. It, it got to a new all-time high of just over $2,000 an ounce just over a year ago. And since then, it's retreated and flapped about and, 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 and done nothing. And there will be people who will just have no interest in gold because they'll say it's got no intrinsic value because it generates no cash. That's the Buffett yeah. angle. And frankly, you know, I have some sympathy with that. And you could, you could throw the same data at cryptocurrencies, for, for example. Um, some people will say it's a hedge against inflation because it was a terrific performer in the 1970s when gold then ran rampant after Nixon smashed up the gold standard. Some people view it as a hedge against deflation, not quite so sure about that. Uh, and some probably view it, I think, the view I have most sympathy with, some people just view it as a hedge against loss of control and things going wrong. Um, and I think if you, know, if, if, if you walk into a pub, as I'm sure or hopefully you do occasionally, Simon, yeah. and next time you go in and say, right, ladies and gentlemen, which has been the best performer since January 2000, gold or the S&P 500? Yeah, I'm not quite sure the pubs and Carbonshire I was in f- last week would be yeah, interested. But, that, but I think yeah. you'd never, anybody that was interested, you'd win a few quid because gold's yeah. beaten it hands flat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now, now we can say, oh, well, you've picked your time because 2000 was the peak of the S&P 500. But I'm pretty damn sure it's beaten it since the S&P's trough in 2003 as well. So, uh, and why is that? Well, it's because money supply, because central bank balance sheets have gone berserk over the last 20 years. In fact, you know, they're up. 60, you know, they've trebled in the last 10 years. And so you, you, central banks can print money. Governments can borrow money and conjure it out of the air to a degree, but they can't print gold. They can't print oil for that matter either. And, and so I think that's what so some people will view gold as a haven of value, a store of value at a time of government central bank profligacy, which you can argue is mirroring exactly what we're seeing when Nixon smashed up the gold standard in 1971. Yeah. You know, he needed money to pay for welfare programs, to pay for Vietnam. Now, I know America just pulled out of Afghanistan, so maybe that's one less burden on the American coffers. But you've got some pretty expansive uh, fiscal policy plans coming up from the Biden government. You've got some pretty um, uh, ag- aggressive, um, you know, the central bank, the Fed is still running ultra loose monetary policy, even if it tapers quantitative easing. To zero, its balance sheet is still at the record high. Interest rates are still at the record low. You can't tell me that's tight monetary policy because it just isn't. 
And any economist that tells you is merely the prisoner of the Fed and he's clearly too frightened to think of anything else other than ultra-loose monetary policy. So I think in that respect, there are some interesting historic parallels. And, you know, if you look at previous attempts to taper and previous attempts to raise interest rates, they didn't last very long because either financial markets couldn't stand it or the underlying economy couldn't stand it or both. And I'd be pretty confident on past performance, unless inflation really has gone rampant, that central banks will turn on the taps or governments will turn on the fist or whatever they can do, at least, to try and keep the show on the road, which again would potentially play to the store of value angle if that's the scenario in which you believe. So it's just intriguing me that 50-year anniversary on History Spod, mm. love Gerald Scarf's artwork, which is a very funny <laughs> cartoon if you can track it down, along with the great shame he was sacked by the Sunday Times, although I, I guess it probably just few viewers. He'd had a very good innings and a very good career. Uh, and then it's just intriguing me that gold has done nothing this year at all. Now, maybe that's because people, I think a lot of people still, people are buying into the, we're going to get a rapid economic recovery scenario. They're buying into the central banks have got it all in hand scenario and they will be able to taper and therefore what do you need to store a value for? Um, and I think they're probably, there's the potential also that things like Bitcoin may be taking some money away that traditionally would have flowed into gold because people have been looking for stores of value, but they've been looking at cryptos and non-fungible tokens and goodness knows what yes. else. So I think that's another possible explanation for why gold hasn't done much. Gold miners have done even less, partly because their expenses are going up, energy, labour, covid um and and also again you know th th they're leveraged into the gold price if gold goes down a bit their profits don't yes. you know come out of it so uh, it's just intriguing that gold's done nothing and it's intriguing that gold miners relative to gold if you're in a couple of indices uh, have hardly ever been this cheap so it, you know if you're applying the templeton maxim of you know what's interesting is what people aren't talking about there you go i, I i'm intrigued though i mean central bank is well whether they actually believe this or whether they don't, I don't know, but they're certainly saying they seem perfectly calm about all this and the market seem perfectly calm. Well, you know, every. I, I, yeah, I guess you don't want to see a central bank running around and saying, don't panic, don't panic, do you? Like Corporal Jones in Dad's Army. I don't think that would necessarily gender massive amounts of confidence. Um, but um, I, I, they do. And, and, you, and you, can argue, you can see their case. You can argue that <laughs> for better or worse, governments have thrown vast amounts of money at consumers at a time when there was pent up demand anyway. You've got supply bottlenecks, which are clearly complicating matters. You've got one-off event, you know, you've got shipping problem. My lady wife who works for a lifestyle um, and fashion company, they were told yesterday, if it's not on a boat from China, now it's not getting here by Christmas. Wow. Now that's just, <laughs> that's not necessarily telling you to dash out and buy your Christmas toys now, ladies and gentlemen, but it might be worth thinking about. Um, so you, 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 do, you do have things like that in the pipe. You've got food prices. If you look at the United Nations food price index, it's up 35% year on year. Now, some of that's down to shipping, some of it's down to trade and tariffs, which we hope will go away. Some of it's down to frost, frost and drought in Brazil. So again, you can argue that all of those things are um, transitory, to use the central bank's favourite word. But equally, you've got unemployment coming down, you've got lots of job vacancies, firms are competing for staff and you know, paying mm. more. Uh, that is potentially inflationary. You do have a lot of commodity prices still very elevated against where they were two years ago, not just one. That's filtering into factory gate prices, consumer prices. And, and if wages do kick off, then that's going to be uh, potentially very inflationary because that's kind of the final part of the cycle. Um, and we still have trade and tariff tensions. And they may not go away. So there are still things, things that could conceivably mm. perpetuate uh, inflation. And you know, if you look at the 1970s, there were three waves. And we're all sick of hearing about multiple waves of something at the moment. So I don't want to back, yeah. prolong this discussion too much. But if you look at the chart, 
There was a big wave in the early 70s. Inflation dipped in the mid 70s, rose again, dipped, and then went berserk in the late 70s when it really became entrenched yeah. in the psyche. People just became used to paying more for things. Yeah. And so they got on with it and did it and started demanding wage, wage, wages as a result. And, you know, Yogi Berra, the New York Yankees baseball catcher, once said that, you know, and baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. Boom, boom. Um, inflation is exactly the same. It's a predominantly psychological phenomenon. Once people get used to it, yeah. it's very hard. Yeah. You know, we've all become used to lower prices, right? Yes. This inflationary environment. If we start going the other way, there might not be very much central bankers can do about it, particularly if yes. you know, global debt means that they can't raise interest rates as much as you might ordinarily think they would. I'm, I'm rather hoping from what you've said that limited prints of Gerald Scarf cartoons might become very valuable. I've suddenly remembered I've got two downstairs. Well, that would be good. I've got some signed books, but I haven't got any signed prints. I've got, I've got so, somewhere I think you. I was trying to try to find it, but I think I've got one of those big paperback books that was signed as well, but I'll need to check yeah, he, afterwards. I've looked uh, at his but, website. He does do special, he does do one-off commissions now, I guess he can keep his hand in, I suppose, mm. bless him. Time, time for us, both. Jessica. Very brief break. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I'm talking to Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell. Um, you want to look at margin debt in the States, which seems like a slightly esoteric it's, It is, but it, it's one of those things that you, you, you can get the data from the FINRA website in the USA, uh, and it basically shows how much money investors, be they retail or professional, are borrowing to put into the stock market. Now you may think, what? Well, it's perfectly legal, and obviously you can do it because it means you get more cash into the market, and therefore it gears up your returns. Clearly, the negative of that is if, God forbid, the stock market goes down, you then have to repay the debts, even though you've paid for the assets at a higher price, then you might have to go and sell something else to make up the shortfall. And this is what you've seen before in dare one say it, serious market dislocations like 1929, 2000, and 2007. And I think I've mentioned it before that one of the people who fell out, who fell foul of this in 1929 was Groucho Marx, who borrowed yes. very, very heavily uh, to pile into the US stock market on the advice of his agent. He, he piled into a stock called Goldman Sachs, which to which Groucho replied, what's that, a flower bag? Mm. Um, and um, he, he, he piled into that and, and then basically was cleaned out. Uh, you know, and he, he said things were so bad in New York that the pigeons were feeding people in Central Park because, yeah. you know, they, they borrowed so heavily, you know, been, been badly cleaned out. So it works brilliantly when it works and can be absolutely horrid when it doesn't. And you draw the chart of margin debt uh, and it pretty much, within reason, correlates with the S&P 500. Now, which is the chicken and which is the egg? Don't know, mate. But I, I suspect that if you did see a, a, a correction in the S&P 500 for any, you know, the last correction we saw in the S&P 500 was that very brief bear market last year with the pandemic mm -hmm. hit down 20% in a month, margin debt dropped like a rock. You know, and again, if you can borrow cheaply, interest rates being where they are, seeing stock markets going up, piling with your mates on Reddit, you can understand why it's happening, quite frankly. But yes. it is one of those things that's worth bearing in mind. It just intrigued me that the last month just showed a dip. Now, whether that's because Delta variant, People going back to work because, you know, you, 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 you are seeing the federal stimulus checks for unemployment benefit taken away already by several individual states and they come to an end at the end of the month anyway. So or, or whether it's just people were getting a little bit windy was, was, was hard to say. But it, it, it was just intriguing that it was the first slight dip in margin debt when, on, in theory, the stock market was no different from it being for the last 
12 or 15 months, i.e. humming along very nicely. Mm. Thank you very much indeed. And if you look at some of the things that, you know, if you, you know, I know there's a few blogs I've been reading which refer to the stock market as a rolling bubble. And, you know, as hedge fund managers, they're viewing it as their mission to spot those bubbles, get in first, get out early and maximum. And, 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 and in an era of what is still, as we discussed previously, ultra loose monetary policy and ample liquidity right now to do with pretty much anything that you, you want. Um, and so you've seen money bounce from GameStop to silver to BlackBerry, to cinema stocks. Now uranium is one of the names that's in the frame, apparently. So you're seeing all these, you know, kind of rolling mini bubblets, as it were. And I guess if one of those goes wrong, that could put the margin crowd on their, on their heels and, again, just not confident. So it, it, it's almost one of those self-reinforcing things. The more the market goes up, the more, they won't say, confident or cocky people will get and more inclined to borrow there will be. And therefore, potentially, if something does go wrong, then the bigger the trouble on the other side. I think it's therefore just something worth watching that intrigued me that, it's just rolled over. And some of the things that some of those previous bubbleettes, IPOs, the IPO indices have cooled off a little bit. The SPAC index is, is, is down about, about a third from its high. Um, the ARC technology fund that Kathy Woods has done such a brilliant job with it came off by the in the spring. Some of those are still finding it hard to make ground. ARC's coming back. IPOs are just trying to come back. But again, keep an eye on those areas because there were some of the sort of hotter, more frothy areas of the market. Uh, and some of them still aren't back to their previous highs. And you'd really only have maximum confidence in us being off to the races in those if they get back to previous or even the wider market. But maybe the money just moved on to the next bubble. But yeah, watch margin debt because it is interesting that you saw that dip over the summer. Russ, thank you very much indeed. I've been talking to Russ Moat, Investment Director of AJBL in the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Russ will be back just in discussion with me again at the same time next week. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.